0: Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked. Good evening and welcome to episode
1: 44 of The Bible Unmasked. If this is your first time tuning in, what Bible Unmasked ultimately is, is a Bible study. Um, It's aired each Sunday night at 7.30 p.m. And what we're doing is through 2021, we're simply going through the Bible together. Um, As we go through the Bible, if you have any questions or anything, simply stop, send your question, and you can text it to 954-388-8780. Our goal is, of course, to read the entire Bible throughout 2021. So just if you are interested, just invite your family, your friends to study along with you, and then we'd be happy to answer any questions that you have by simply texting them to that number. Um, If you are, if you do want to get subscriptions, if you do want to know when things pop up and when we have new episodes and things like that, simply subscribe to our Plantation SDA YouTube channel, and that way you'll be able to know exactly when a new episode is available for you to watch. Um, So this evening, our presenter is Pastor Kevin McCoy. Pastor Kevin, welcome. How are you?
0: I'm well, and uh, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be on another episode of The Bible Unmasked.
1: Likewise, likewise. I'm happy to be presenting with you as well. Um, so, Pastor, McKe- Pastor Kevin, can you please pray for us today so we can begin?
0: Loving God, we thank you so much for the blessings and the ability to read and study your words. We pray your spirit to be with us as we study now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Okay, so first we do a quick overview of just what was read last week. So last week we did Mark 10 to Luke 6. So Pastor Kevin, could you give us just a really quick overview of what we went through?
0: Right, so Mark and the Gospel of, of Mark. Um, uh, there are some similarities with Matthew as we'll find with, with Luke because they, these three are called the Synoptic Gospels. And so there are more similarities with these three than they are when compared to John. And so we saw many of the things we saw in Matthew, um, and we will see also in Luke coming up. Um, Similar stories, some different, um, but still focusing on the life and the ministry um, of Jesus.
1: Okay. And then for this week, we did um, Luke 7 through Luke 24. So just a quick brief overview of of what we're going to cover now.
0: Right, and so while Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptics and they uh, are similar in, in certain ways, um, Luke um, comes from a certain kind of different perspective and you'll we, we'll see that that Luke's, Luke comes in as a kind of a reporter, a researcher, a preacher, if you please. He doesn't claim to be a high witness and so he the way he reports things um, as, and, and his reason and his purpose, how he uses the same material, that Matthew Mark uses, he uses them in a a different way for uh, a different kind of audience, which is is for the most part, um, seemingly a Gentile audience. So he's more focused on a general audience, which is most like a Gentile, in comparison to Matthew, who is focused on sort of a Jewish um, audience. Mm,
1: Okay, all right. So we will jump right into our discussion questions. I have our discussion questions here, and I'll run through them with you. All right. So the very first question is taken from Luke 6.13. And the question says, um, why did Jesus call the 12 disciples apostles? Is there a difference between the two?
0: There there is actually a difference. Um, Disciple, when you talk about a disciple, that's one who is a pupil, a learner, or a follower right? That's one who is like a, a mentee, a student, one who is being taught. But when it comes to an apostle, apostle is, the apostle is a, is a messenger, one who is sent on a mission. So what we find is that the disciples are with Jesus for a period of time where they are learning, they are watching him, they are following him, they are learning how he does ministry, and then now he's going to send them out Mm-hmm. Having taught them, having had them as followers and learners, he now sends them out as messengers to do the work that he himself was doing. So ah, that's okay. kind of the, the difference there. They're both; they're all followers of Jesus. Because one one is in the position of a student, and one is in the position of a of a, of a messenger, one who is that's taking nice. for the message that they had learned. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so the next
1: question. They said the the stories of the prodigal son and the stories of the good samaritan are only
0: found in Luke. And why is that, or what should we make of that? I should say. Right. So there are, yeah, there are there are potentially a number of reasons. Um, so as I mentioned, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptics because they share similarities in terms of the stories, um, but they also differences in how they share the similar stories, the same stories. Um, so what happened is that um, Matthew, Mark, Luke often uses the same source document, um, meaning that uh, as, it, as you would have three preachers, that we're using the one Bible, and you have three preachers preaching about um, and one text, but they go about it in different ways, right? So that's kind of what, what happened with Matthew, Mark, and Luke in terms of synoptics. One of the reasons that they might not have Matthew and Luke, Matthew and Mark might not have the prodigal son and the the good Samaritan, is that Luke might have used um, one document in his writing that was not known to Matthew and Mark. Because when you notice in in Luke chapter um, 1, Luke is very clear that he's a researcher. He gets his information from other people. And so it's it's possible that... uh, he got some information um, mm. that Matthew and Mark didn't have access to, or some documents, you would say. Um, so that's probably one of the reasons. Or Matthew and Luke, Matthew and Mark probably, and this is just, you know, potential and probability, Matthew and Mark probably had in this, this, uh, had um, access to these stories but they didn't, they, these stories didn't meet their purpose or didn't fit into what they were trying to say about Jesus. So there are a number of reasons why um, uh, they, these might be missing from Matthew and Mark.
1: Okay. Okay. So the next question comes from Luke 6.27. It says, in what ways can we love our enemies and do good to those who hate us?
0: Right. Um so when we when we look into into this passage, there, let me read the first, a few verses um, below. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn him to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks, and and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand demand it. So what we find here is that uh, one of the ways we love our enemies is to not retaliate and is not to function on reciprocity. You do this to me, I do this to you. Um, loving our enemies requires that we, we see the enemy as a, as a friend. <laughs> that's, that's difficult, right? But the way we love our enemies is to go beyond the mistreatment that we, we receive from them and to show them the love of God. And there are many, many ways in which we see that. Um, we see that in the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, we find a Jew, we find a Samaritan helping out a Jew when uh, potentially a Jew didn't help, Jews didn't help the, the Samaritan or the, 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 the man who was in the ditch. So we have examples of, of in the loop particularly of how um, Christians are the followers of Christ, that the disciples and the apostles we're supposed to manifest love towards um, a broader circle, which potentially was the, the, um, the Jewish audience of Luke, right? So Luke is not just writing to a, a Jewish audience where he's saying, follow the law, follow this. He's asking those so to spread their love beyond the bounds of a Jewish community. So potentially loving the, the Romans um, who are oppressing you, um, you know, so spreading the love is, is a big part of that. Mm, all
1: right. Not loving your enemies—that's that's one that has to be practiced over and over again because
0: our yes. sinful nature does not make that
1: one easy at all. Uh, okay, so this next question is about the the story of the sinful woman. Um, what evidence do we have that the sinful woman of Luke 7, 35 to fifty purchased the perfume with money earned from prostitution? Also, is it true that she may have been abused by Simon the Pharisee? It's interesting. We got some speculation here.
0: <laughs> so so yeah so when I read the text um I'm seeing a comparison between the woman and um simon rather than um a suggestion that he abused her that she purchased mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm not sure the source of, of 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 her income here to buy the the, the, the alabas backs of, of uh of ointment or perfume but what is clear is that uh, Jesus is there's, there's a number of things happening because Simon is accusing Jesus of not knowing who the woman is, but we find in the story that Jesus actually knows what Simon is thinking, right? Um, um again, we find that Simon thinks he's he's more he's a less, he's less sinner than this woman, but we find that he's he's more inhospitable than she is, right? Because Jesus says, He I come into your house. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't do this. You didn't that. But this woman, who oh, you are claiming to be a sinner, she comes and does the right thing. She comes and anoint my feet with her tears, and she even went and with with an uh, expensive perfume. She was more hospitable to Jesus than Simon was. So um, it's difficult to confirm that she. Uh, um, we find evidence here that she sure. purchased uh, um, her, her ointment from the prostitution or that Simon, um, you know, abused her. But what's happening in there is is a uh, Jesus showing her as a model in terms of hospitality, but also as uh, one who is repentant for one's sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You
1: know, I've heard that question before, actually. So this one says Luke 8, 1 to 2. What role did the women who traveled with Jesus play in his ministry? And then the part two of this question says, does this verse support woman's ordination? Mm-hmm. Big one.
0: So, uh, while there is no explicit nor implicit support for women's ordination in this text, um, there are other texts that we can draw on to suggest that, right? but in this text what is very clear is that women were among jesus disciples that is unquestionable right mm. women and now normally men were disciples of others not women women weren't in the public sphere public life or even uh, privileged to certain things like potential education now here's an example Martha and Mary, Jesus goes to their house and one is busy fixing a meal and one is sitting at the feet. And Jesus says, the one sitting at the feet is doing um, the, the better thing, has chosen the better path. Why? Because Jesus is with her and she is taking up a position that a woman would normally be, would not normally be in. That is sitting at the feet of a teacher, sitting at the feet of a Messiah. At any time, you could be hospitable, you know, as um, I think Mary was, but Martha was there, Sitting with Jesus because He was present. Now I say that to say this: that Jesus in Matthew, in the Gospel of Luke, has a different attitude towards women um, than even the Pharisees and the scribes and all of those, all of the religious leaders. Jesus took a different attitude towards women. Women were in His uh, um, cadre of disciples, were in His circle, and that highlights the women, the importance of women in the ministry of Jesus. And more so in the book of Luke, and you'll see that in also in the book of Acts. So Luke is 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 uh, has a an intention, very intentional and purposeful, in showing the role of women. Now you'll find that even the women who are listed in this text in Matthew eight uh, one and two, that they even the Mary who was there, she was the one who was the first disciple to report that Jesus is risen, right? She was the one who the angels sent to say, go tell them that he is risen. So we find that women are very important in the ministry of the gospel um, from Luke's standpoint of how he portrays them in relation to Jesus Christ. Does um, mm-hmm. this particular text supports women's ordination. Um, it, it, it's, it's difficult to say that, but what we can say is that women in ministry is supported by Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, perfect. Good to know. So, this next question uh, could you please read Luke 8, verses 21? Um, and it's asking if we can do an explanation of the verse. We'd like to break it down a little bit.
0: Definitely. So, here it is. Uh, so I'm going to give some context and then I read the text. Okay. So Jesus just spoke about the, the parable of the of the soil and you know sowing the seed some soil fell, out, fell among the good soil some, some fell among the paths some fell among the the rocky and then Jesus says this Then it says in verse 19 now Jesus mother and brother came to see him but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd someone told him your mother and brother are standing outside wanting to see you he replied My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, Jesus is not denying his kinship or his blood relationship with those who are standing outside. But he used it as a point of teaching to say that it's important, yes, to honor your your earthly family, the one which you are born in but your place in God's family is more even important than that. And we're gonna come up and see where why why this is so important. We're gonna come up with another question, another question. Jesus is saying, yes, you can belong to an earthly family, but if you really want to be a part of God's family, my brother, my mother, my sister, obeying God's words is the key to that, mm-hmm. right? And that's why this passage is following the parable of the sower and the seed. Because in that parable, the emphasis is on hearing the word and doing the word. Mm -hmm. And now Jesus is, is, is saying, or Luke is setting up a play here where he's using the parable as a context to interpret this word of Jesus. Right? Jesus says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and put the words into practice. In other words, the good soil, the people of the good soil belong to the kingdom. They belong in God's family. So he's not neglecting his mother and father, his mother and brothers were waiting on him outside, but he's placing emphasis on the importance of obeying God's words to be a part of the kingdom which Jesus is now ushering in um, among God's people. Okay. Okay. That's
1: interesting. Okay. So Luke 9, 39, it says... Was the boy described in this passage epileptic or demon-possessed? Could some similar diseases be a manifestation of demon possession in today's world? And why are scientists so reluctant to label diseases as such? It's a big one.
0: Yeah, so let let me actually read this text because it's important that that this text is read. Um, Mm -hmm. Read. Right? 39. Let me come to 39. Here it is. A spirit, and this is the, the the new the NIV version, the new international version. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he he, he forms at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and it is destroying him. Right? So in other versions, you will hear the you'll, you'll see the word epileptic um, or stuff like that. Now There are similarities between similarities of symptoms between demon possession and epilepsy, right? Mm -hmm. And also, based on this text, the text suggesting that the epileptic symptoms are a manifestation of demonic possession, Mm -hmm. right? So, the text is very clear this is not not just a normal sickness. Yeah. This is not just a normal case of epilepsy this is the work mm-hmm. of demonic powers yes so the question asks is it this passage simply epileptic epilepsy or demonic possession um i would say it is epileptic um symptoms brought on by demonic possession we cannot ignore the fact that there is evil behind the scenes of what is happening to the young man because mm-hmm. it's destroying him it it's curses him and it's 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 taking control of him, causing him to have convulsions and and foamings at the mouth. Now, there are, and I imagine there are ways to discern cases, whether they are simply um, cases of epilepsy or they are demonic possessions. Um, Now, scientists will be um, very weary to label at at, at first glance a case uh, as um, demonic possession and one reason is how mental illnesses have been treated in the past or how cases of epilepsy have been treated in the past There have been cases where it's not demon possession um, and people were didn't get the necessary treatment that they needed because People cast it off as demonic possession. It was, you know, in some cases it's it's obvious, or some cases it's you know, it's something else. When really and truly it is a mental issue or something that is is to the person's biology or mental status that is causing the, the situation. And so I understand why scientists are reluctant to do that, but there are definitely cases of um, demonic possession. And we'll have to look for more symptoms than simply um, epilepsy to, to, to say that it's actually a demonic possession, right? Uh, is the person, um, is there a change of voice? Is there a change of tone? Is there evidences that the person is speaking and the voice is speaking from the person? Or, you know, those, those normal signs, well, I won't say normal, but those signs are indicators that there's a different force behind the person, right? Mm-hmm. So it it is, a, it is a subtle line which takes a lot of discernment and a lot of um, attention and care to discern between a simple case of epilepsy or demonic possession. But in this case, in this specific case, yeah. um, we, have it, we have it clear, a spirit seizes him, mm. a clear indication that this is demonic possession. Yeah, Not
1: good explanation. Thank you. I, actually, I wondered that too. With the you know twenty twenty one all this information webMD I've looked at that I'm like does he just have epilepsy you know so that makes perfect sense so thank you um, this next question comes from Luke ten verses fourteen and it says Jesus often speaks of judgment has it already taken place
0: well let me read that text for you okay
1: um,
0: and this is you, you know sometimes as when you're reading the prophets of Isaiah Jeremiah Ezekiel you'll hear them with um, oracles of judgment, war against this nation, war against that nation. And here we see Jesus standing in this place of a prophetic figure and he's he's speaking some woes, right? Verse 13, woe to you, um, Corrosing, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. So here we have Jesus proclaiming judgment um, on particularly that nation because of the rejection of the gospel, rejection of Jesus and his ministry. And so the judgment, it speaks of the judgment, yes. Um, and the question asks, has it taken place? If we're speaking of the judgment of that nation, of uh, those who rejected Jesus, um, we can probably say yes, um, in biblical times they would have somehow um, had their judgment for rejecting Jesus. But the judgment, as we speak of it in Adventism or the final judgment is it's a future event or future um, thing to happen. Mm-hmm. But also we are living in a time of judgment because when we talk about judgment, we're talking about an account right so the judgment will based on what the judgment of the future will be based on what happens now so i say the judgment is present because we are whatever we do today is what will come to account in the judgment and so i don't want people to think that okay the judgment is in the future i don't have to worry about anything i'm safe right now mm-hmm. right now how we live is is the account that will be looked at in the judgment and or lives or destiny whether to eternal life or eternal separation from God, that will be dependent on the life that we live now. Now, again, in Jesus, when Jesus speaks, Jesus spoke as a, when Jesus spoke, he spoke as the judgment of something that is present, right? Uh, in John, and we'll get to John, but I just want to give you an example. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, That's judgment but to save the world, that's a part of judgment. Judgment mm-hmm. has a part of salvation and condemnation. Now, right now, people are being judged whether or based on their relationship with Jesus,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Based on John, we are right now judged based on our relationship with Jesus. So mm-hmm. if you are in Jesus, you are judged to be saved. If you are out of Jesus, you are judged to be condemned. Mm-hmm. So there is a future judgment, but there's a judgment right now depending on where we stand in relation to jesus christ mercy okay i'll keep that in mind
1: <laughs> okay so this next one um, is taken from just a couple of verses down luke 10 verses 18 so that one the question is does this verse confirm the fall of satan from heaven and the fight with michael in revelation does it imply that jesus was present
0: Right, so when, when, when Jesus say he saw, right, um, he saw. So, so the word you saw can mean mm, a few things. The literal, um, the literal seeing with the eye, it can be like there's an insight, you know, a flash of insight, or it can be symbolically, mm-hmm. right? Now, in the case of Jesus, it is it is, it is multi-layered. One, it is indeed a case. Um, let me give the context of this verse. Okay. Um, in let me find a text, Luke 18. Luke
1: 10, 18,
0: yeah. 10, 18, Right. Um, so Jesus is sending after speaking the, the, the woes, Jesus is sending his disciples, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're gonna find that Jesus has already casted out some some demons. Um out of, out of some people. And in, in in the context of Luke, Jesus seeing the devil fall or Satan fall is a witness to the power of God's ministry in, in Jesus, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right now, in the context of, the Luke, of Luke's gospel, Jesus seeing Satan falling is saying his power has been shattered. The kingdom of God has come in might and in power. And you're gonna see where the devil has fallen, Satan has fallen, because Jesus is gonna be casting out demons. He's gonna be giving mm-hmm. sight to the blind. He's gonna be doing a lot of things. Okay. A suggestion that his power over the people has been broken. The chains have been broken. Mm-hmm. That's in the context of Luke. But knowing Jesus as the one who was in heaven, as uh, was in heaven, we can definitely um, draw on the on the on the revelations we have in the book of Revelations. Mm -hmm. that indeed Jesus did see Satan fall. Um, Because when you look in Revelation, and we're going to get to Revelation in another story, (laughs) but I think it's in Revelation chapter 12. Yeah, I know. I think it's in Revelation chapter 12. We read that the devil was fallen and woe to those who are on earth, right? Mm -hmm. So in Jesus as a pre-existent son, before he came on earth as a Christ, did witness the fall of Satan. But on earth in his ministry as the Messiah, In his ministry and power, Jesus not only saw but caused the fall of Satan in freeing people from demonic possession and the ministry. And that, notice what happened. um, After Jesus mentioned that Satan had fallen, he sends out his disciples to do ministry. So it's it's an indication to the disciples that they have a certain kind of power that no devil in hell can, can prevent them from doing ministry. And it's a word to us today. The devil has fallen. When we go out in the power of the spirit to do ministry, Satan, we can see Satan fall even today when we are ministering and changing and transforming lives. Amen.
1: Yes, we can. Okay, so the very last question. This one is from Luke 15, verses 2 and 3. So it says, The Pharisees are not happy that Jesus spends time with the tax collectors and sinners. Did that inspire the three stories told by him in
0: chapter 15? Right, so let me jump to the text. Mm-hmm. Luke 15, and read the first few verses. Give some context. Luke 15, right. So, so here, here's the context. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eat with them. Yeah. Now, the question says, um, the Pharisees are not happy that Jesus spent time with the taxpayers and sinners. Did that inspire the three stories? Yes, and here's why they did inspire the three stories. Mm-hmm. There's a comparison between the Pharisees muttering and the woman rejoicing with the lost coin mm-hmm. um, and the father rejoicing with the lost son, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a comparison. These are the religious leaders who are supposed to be guiding the people into the kingdom. They're the ones who are supposed to be ministering to sinners and the publicans and, and everyone, the tax collectors. Mm-hmm. But Jesus comes and shows up and, sh- and shows that they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. because Jesus comes and ministering with an authority that comes from God that is casting out demons is doing so many uh, so many things that the people are sense are, are drawn to him rather than to the pharisees so mm-hmm. there's a case of jealousy being played out here where the people are drawn to Jesus he's mingling with with sinners but also an accusation that if you are the messiah and you are this holy figure, how is it that you are mingling with the low life, the sinners, the tax collectors? Mm -hmm. Jesus is revealing what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God comes to the meek, to the lowly, to the sinner, right? To the sick, the suffering, right? So indeed, this, this inspired the story to show that when sinners come in, Rather than muttering, there should be rejoicing, right? Because the woman lost her coin, but she found it and there was rejoicing.
1: That's
0: it. Right? There was one lost sheep, the sheep was found, there was rejoicing. There's a lost son who returned, there's rejoicing. Why are you muttering when sinners come into the kingdom? There should be rejoicing. So indeed, indeed there is these these stories were inspired by, by that. That's These stories were indeed inspired by that.
1: Yes. Luke uh, Luke, and the Synoptic Gospels are amazing stories. The parables that you can learn from them there are just vast and endless. And you can look at them so many different ways, which is why I appreciate um, just the multiple different chapters and books that you can just kind of get different angles and point of view. So thank you, okay. Pastor McCoy, for walking us through some of them. So that concludes the questions that we have for today. Um, I want to invite all the viewers to begin reading John chapters 1 through 12 for next week. Um, As you're going through them, if you have any questions at all, don't forget to text your questions to 954-388-8780. Again, we'd like to highlight, we please ask you to read a little bit every day or maybe put it on an audiobook or something so you can get a little piece every day so you can really take in what you're um, what you're reading. Um, next week, our presenters will be Pastor Marsh and LeVon Brown. So Pastor Kevin, could you please give us just a, a brief overview of what the viewers can expect in John chapters 1 through 12 next week?
0: Right, so we go to the Gospel of John. Um, I mentioned earlier that the first three, Matthew, Mark, Mark, Luke, are called synoptics because they share so much in common um, and how they write and they use the same Source and the same stories and and, and stuff like that. Um, With John now, John is 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 a is a different kind of figure because he's using kind of a, he's coming from a kind of a wisdom tradition, a philosophical background, um, and he's taking things in a different direction. He's he's using the kind of the wisdom of the day to highlight the fact of Jesus being this pre-existent being who is now dwelling among among god's people and that's that's kind of an emphasis on chapter one where um the world became flesh and dwell among us right and that's going to be a theme that's going through the entire the entire book of john where it's it's about recognizing recognizing jesus as this preeminent being or this one who comes who who was before even abraham right um so Very interesting read. Um, I encourage you to dig into the Gospel of John. It's going to be an an interesting read. Very interesting read.
1: Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Pastor McCoy, for the overview, the questions, the discussion, everything. Thank you. Um, Viewers, if you would like to, of course, know when uh, we drop new episodes of Bible and Mass or anything from Plantation SDA, please just make sure you subscribe to our Plantation SDA YouTube channel, um, and that way you'll be automatically notified. So, we are going to close with prayer. Pastor McCoy,
0: could you please pray us out? Definitely. Our Father and God, we thank you so much for the Jesus we have come to know, according to the Gospel of Luke, one whose love breaks down barriers between Jews and Gentiles, between men and women, between outcasts and the elite. We pray that as Christians and those who are looking for Jesus will find in Him one who loves us beyond beyond who we are, and sees for who we can become in Him. And so may, as we read in the for the coming week, we will find Jesus and make Him our Savior. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Plantation SDA Church presents. The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30pm for our weekly discussion from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with the Bible
1: Unmasked.